sensing that this is the moment to lift United. Hill! Yes! Oh, what a cracking goal! First time, left peg, woof! No chance at all for Zob. It's gone through to Hill for a shot. 2-0! Hill trying to turn it and does! Gordon Hill! And Hill, it was neglected! And that surely ties it up! Gordon Hill, second goal! And all round the ground now, all you can see is red and white of Manchester United. And there's the happiest Londoner that ever went to Manchester. Gordon Hill, two goals! Hello and welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans, Sam Homewood and David May are my pod pals as always. Maisie, what do you know? Uh, it's an absolutely glorious day today. Enjoying the sunshine? Uh, I am, I am. I've actually put a new roof on my shed. Oh! Yeah, there you go. I actually thought you were going to say I put Factor 50 on. <laughs> a new roof on your shed to match your new fence? Oh yeah. Sam, how are things with you? Doing any DIY? Uh, no, I haven't. But not that long ago I painted my fence. Right. That's the best fence chat I've got. I'm not the best at DIY. I give it a real good go. But it, I, it takes me a long time to do basic things mm. and then for someone else to fix the mess I've made. Yeah. Something you could work on then, Sam. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I'm not bad myself, actually, to be fair, at a bit of DIY. Yeah, you're any good with a drill? Can you use one? No, like I've never used a drill, but I mean, like, I like working things out. <laughs> that, that, that's, not, that's not really DIY then, is it really? Project managing. In fact, I take that statement totally back. <laughs> I don't do any DIY. I like to look at a problem and offer a solution. <laughs> yeah, get the bills in and just say, I think that wall can come down. I don't think it's load-bearing. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. It's only the kids' bedrooms above. <laughs> uh, take it all back. <laughs> okay, right. So we don't often, we, well, we never really talk about what's currently happening with Manchester United on these podcasts because unless we're talking to the current players, I suppose, but even then we're like going through people's careers and stuff. But this is the first time that uh, we've been talking to each other since the Premier League season finished. Uh, obviously, Manchester United played Leicester. Um, United won, obviously. We finished third. Chelsea finished fourth. Leicester um, finished fifth. And All Johnny right, was quite in, Johnny was quite involved <laughs> in the in the closing moments. I I only watched until eighty minutes, so I have no idea what right. went on. You didn't miss anything, <laughs> Alan. Okay. Nice. Oh, I know it's disappointing. What we did want was a Wolves win, and it never happened. That's right. No, everybody wanted that. The uh, where's Morgan? Did exactly the same tackle. Uh, yes, yeah. And then, but Johnny got, only Johnny got booked, which I thought was unfair. Yeah, I know. Well, the thing is, he got the yellow card and it came up on VAR, but then Gary Neville on TV was saying that was Wes Morgan, so who knows? Anyway, it's not important now. Europa League for Leicester, Champions League for United. So I will be busy during the week next season. Yeah, you will be, won't you? watching Wednesdays <laughs> and Thursdays. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, well, should we get stuck into what we do do, which is get great stories from people? And we've got a guy on today who should have some sensational stories. It's a former winger, Gordon Hill. Somebody that Maisie arranged. Um, you arranged the interview, Maisie? I did. But not someone that you know. I thought that you knew him, but you actually don't. No. Do you know what? One of my mates who, uh, who I play golf with idolised him. In the in the seventies and eighties, and he said, "You've got to get Gordon Hill on. The stories he'll tell are brilliant." Mm-hmm. I also spoke to Alex Stepney about trying to get Alex onto the podcast as well. And um, what are you doing that for? Who, who's got, the dog? I've got a dog. It's my dog. There's a cat on the fence. <laughs> on the fence, of course, it's on the fence. <laughs> the dog's on the fence because the cat. Woody, shut up. <laughs> 
What's your dog called? Winnie? Woody. Oh, Woody. As in Toy Story? Yeah, that's how yeah, that's, uh, that's in. in. Go and see. Go see. Is that just how you speak to your dog? <laughs> I was into bleeding window now. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to mess when we don't do these over Zoom. Oi, I'm trying to do a podcast. Shush. Gordon Hill, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, um, my mate idolised him in the 70s and 80s. Um, wonderful winger, out and out baller who just loved to take defenders on. And um, I'm sure he'll have some great stories. Is um, mm-hmm. As you say, Helen, I don't know him, but I spoke to Alex Stepney before and he said he's a great lad, so... Really looking forward to catching up with him. Uh, for those of you that are less aware, Gordon played in two FA Cup finals for United. In 76, he was a runner-up. And then in 77, the following year, he picked up an FA Cup. Stop in Liverpool doing the treble. OK, so here he is, Gordon Hill. So we are absolutely delighted right now to be joined uh, by Gordon Hill. Jo- uh, Gordon, how are you? Very well, thank you. Excellent. So uh, at the moment, obviously, we, it's a strange time for everybody. We are all on lockdown and you've been on lockdown as well, I assume. Uh, currently, you're in a cabin in America, right? So just for the benefit of everyone listening, whereabouts are you and what's life like for you at the minute? Well, I'm, I'm just north of Green Bay on Lake Michigan. We've just built a, a football academy. So we're finishing it off, getting it ready. We hope to have some people in next week. But with the coronavirus, as you've just said, it's very difficult, very hard. Uh, You're having to follow CDC guidelines all the time. You have to, you know, sanitize everything. So keeping my fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, we're we're okay. It's not a cabin, so to speak. It's like like a massive house. But it's made of wood. <laughs> it looks lovely. Well, my neighbour's Davy Crockett. <laughs> my, my dearest friends, my dearest friends are, are my, my dearest friends are the deer. <laughs> they come out every night and say hello to me, you know. But I'm still struggling to speak deer. You've got no idea then. <laughs> I've got no. <laughs> what age is your academy for, Gordon? It is basically to develop young players that are coming into the game. Because America is so big, it's like having 50 different countries. Every one of them's got their own rules and every rule and regulation. But the USU soccer, they govern it. Uh, and a good friend of mine, Ernie Stewart, we sat down and talked about how to develop the player to become the next European player. Now, we've seen it with the Chelsea player. Uh, we've seen it with another couple of areas. There's, there's the, the right back that played for Newcastle, Yedlin. So there are the, ta- the talent is here, but it's just that their mentality is that I'm American. I think I've got, I'm there. <laughs> and unfortunately, you can't implant that and you can't put that and you can't, you, they cannot have it by you waving a magic wand. And, and David will tell you exactly the same. There's, there's somebody always wanting to step in front of you. And even more so here, you've got great athletes here. You've got the best athletes in the world. But I'm not after athletes. I'm after footballers. I'm after mm. players that want to be able to turn it. And, you know, here in England, once upon a time, it used to be, okay, you're a pro at 16, 17, you get, you, you're, 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 wow. But then if you don't make it, you're saying to yourself, what are you going to do then? So that's when they introduced the educational side of it. So then in England, they've got the YTSs and that came into it. But the US has always had the college side of it where the NCAA, you go, you play, but you also get a trade or you become a, you know, a lawyer or something like that. So it, it becomes very different after a while. But here, 
Now what's happening is, is that the MLS is sparking. You've got people like David Beckham that's uh, got himself a franchise down in Miami. So there's a lot of factors because this country is so big. People mm-hmm. don't realize that if you got England and dropped it into Lake Michigan, it would not touch the sides. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's massive. For me to fly over to see my son in Seattle, which is five hours away on a plane, if I flew from Chicago, I'd only be, I'd be in Ireland. That's the difference. That's mm. and people no better place to be. To be honest, Gordon. That what <laughs> exactly right? I mean, it's a, at this stage with me over here with this you know this pandemic, it's just taking away everything. You can't travel. I was supposed to be in England for a tour. You know, I was coming over. I'd have seen David. I'd have sat down with him, had a cup of tea, and explained. But the problem being is, you can't fly. And if you do fly, you've got 14 days. But 14 yeah. days to me would have meant I come in and I, I have to quarantine for 14 days. I've got to finish my tour and come back again. So all the kids I was taking to Europe, which, which is great, I bring them to Manchester, I take them to Carrington, I take them to the Theatre of Dreams that has been known and named, and they love it, absolutely love it. Mm. And then I come back here and they talk about it all the time. So spreading the word is something that... that you, you look at, but I'm a developer. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pro coach, but I'm a developer. I love looking at the younger talent. I love seeing players try things. And you get recommendations from players, but then you've got to look at players and say, are they good enough to be able to play in Europe? So then you've got to take hold of them. You've got to train them. You've got to give them exactly what a young apprentice would do in England if they're going to do it over in the UK, in in Europe. But here, if they don't do it here, the MLS is coming through, USL are coming through, there are more teams becoming, uh, shall we say, football orientated. So now they, they can either, they train with me, they can either get a chance to go to Europe and be seen by scouts, or they can stay here and they can look at university or look at the MLS. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build up for, uh, for the players that are really serious. But it's over here, the problem being is, and I think you guys will understand, I know David will, that it's pay to play. Anywhere else in the world, it's not pay to play. Yeah. If you're a good player, David, you know mm-hmm. for sure someone's going to notice you and you're yeah. going to get a crack at it. But here, you, you start as a youngster, you might pay something like $1,500 a year. Then you go and pay for the tournaments you go into, and then you pay for the the Olympic development programs and the and the academy programs. Nice words, but cost more money. So the player becomes better and better, and instead of now fifteen hundred, two thousand, he's now paying five thousand. He's now flying to somewhere like Vegas to play in the tournament. The parents have to fork out for that. Wow! And it's very hard in these times to ask them and say, "Oh, by the way, you know, your kid is in the third team." but you still got to pay $1,500, $2,000. God, what age groups are? That's all age groups, David. What age group do you look after? I, I can go through the whole lot. I don't look after any at this moment in time. I look at the players that want to go serious. Yeah. I train players that want to get to another level, but I don't take players specifically because if you take a team and then the coaches get paid well, yeah. but the quality of coaches is not here. It's it, And it's a shame because what happens is we're seeing it in the U.S. national team, which is a shame. And it's not having a go at them. 
It's just that they're not up to up to our world. They're up to our spec. Mm. And of course, what I'm doing is I'm trying to introduce that. I take them to England to show them not the game, but I show them the mentality of the younger kids in England and how they would yeah. go through a brick wall. That you would go through a brick wall. I would go through a brick wall. Here, it's it's well, I pay to play. So if I've paid to play, I want to have a say in what they're doing. And that you can't, you know, you don't go to a doctor and tell the doctor what to do. You leave it up to him. Yeah. And so that's a big problem. They're sorting it out slowly, but it's it's like when they sort it out in ten years, Europe's ten years in advance again. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, they, you know, and it's and they're all, they're always playing catch up. What they've got to do here, they've got to hit it hard. They've got to hit reality hard. And explain to them, you can't be nice. There's, there's no such thing as being nice. Everybody's, you know, we've got all this, oh, pat them on the back and all that. You know, for a while, is it? I never got a pat on the back. No. I've got a slap around the head. <laughs> yeah. But that's the type of things. Yeah, but that's what makes you tick. And I don't, I don't care what anybody says. What happens is, is when you're coming through the system, you, get, you learn respect. You, David, learn respect from your senior pros. And you, uh-huh. and, and you then became a senior pro and you got respect. It, it, it's never going to change. The basics and the simplicity of football will never change. It's just that it's just going to change with the coaches and the way that they perceive it and the way they do it. That's what makes the game so great. Everybody's got different ideas. But developing young players, I've just had a study done that 12, 13 is about the time you look at start really getting into these young players. Before that, let them be kids. Mm-hmm. We're taking them out, and then and they're not kids. They're losing their they're, they're, they're losing their childhood, yeah. which is sad. But it's because well, we've got some talent here. I'll get it before this club gets it, or I'll get it before that club gets it. Then all of a sudden, you explain to the parents four years later, you've let the kid go. It's tough, you know, and he's only twelve, thirteen. Yeah. Let's go back to your childhood, Gordon, and go through your career path. So you grew up in Middlesex, right? I grew up in uh, Sunbury, Sunbury on Thames, Middlesex, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you had a younger, an older brother who was also a footballer and he had some trials and stuff as well, right? What was life like for the two of you and were you both just football obsessed from a young age? Well, I've got, I've got eight brothers and sisters, so which one are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can tell yeah. us. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, you basically, you grow up, in, you've got, I've got four, four older and four younger. So I'm in the middle. I'm in the hey diddle diddle. But my senior brother, he played at Brentford. My other brother was at Chelsea as a youth player. So you're getting, you, you get it. My dad never watched us play. You know, you'd go out on a Saturday and, and, and I think, David, you may have done the same. You go out on a Saturday morning, you play. Saturday afternoon, someone gives you a game. You go out Sunday morning, you go out Sunday afternoon if yeah. you can get a game. Anywhere you can go, you you pick the kid that's got the football because now you know he's got a football and he and then when he goes home you ask if you can borrow his football. So he's always normally the goalkeeper because you borrowed a football from him. <laughs> and then when his mum when his mum comes, he says, "Can we borrow your football?" Because you couldn't afford a football. But what you did is you, you, you when I was very young, you used to get an old leather ball, take the stuffing out of it, the the bladder, yeah, stuff it full of paper. And I tell you what, like you learned that way against the curb, against the rickety fences. Uh, try to get the ball when you knock it over the neighbour's fence. 
get over the fence, get the ball and get out before she came. <laughs> all those all those things, they teach you. I mean, people laugh and I, I laugh about it now, but tell you what, that, that's, that stood me in good stead for getting out of our situations. You know, I, I mean, five foot seven, 150 pounds soaking wet. Hey, I'm not going to hit somebody. I'm not going to hit somebody like Maisie there. I'm going to think <laughs> about going round him. Yeah. I'm going to think about going round him. And you learn that, you know, I used to kick a ball against the, uh, uh, over the fields, over the farmer's field, used to go over there. And where he used to do the, uh, the furrowing, used to kick the ball and it used to hit the fire and it used to bounce and you used to adjust yourself to get to that. All these little things, they come in, you know, like playing off the lamppost and getting it back. Yeah, yeah. These are things everybody says, well, we're going to have a lesson now on one-twos. And you're looking, you're going, hold on, hold on a minute, just put that lamppost there. I'll show you yeah, what one-two is. So, so you, you know, you do these type of things and everybody says, oh, you're special. Hey, I'm not special. I'm not special. I just, I was just done something I loved doing and I was good at it. But I'm still normal. Everybody, you know, you, you talk to your friends, you say, oh, I remember the time. I remember the time when I was 11 and I played for a team just because it had a brand new kit. Not because it was a good team, <laughs> but a brand new kit. I scored 176 goals in two seasons down on the west side of London. Wow. And, I, and I tell you what, that was the type of football that I loved. You know, go out there, you know. And then you'd say, well, where can you get a serious game as a kid? Well, the only place you could get was playing for the Cubs because they had a league. Yeah, so yeah. I played in the league. I played for the Cubs. And so I scored 49 goals in five matches. In the, <laughs> I, don't think they want, I don't think they wanted me back again. <laughs> you know, but, the, but, but you're, 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 you know, you're, you're going and say, hey, can I play? You go to the park and, you know, all of a sudden you go, Hey, can I have a game? No, you're too good. No, no, no. I'll score five goals to your one goal. In there, and so you got a game with them. So that you, your friends knew who you was. And, and like, as, it, as you grow up, you know, my, my, I was 13 and my brothers played for a very good semi-pro team. And they asked me to play on a Sundays. So we'd play a team from Brentford. And like, they were really tough. But I'd go out there and score two or three goals but my brothers would protect me. <laughs> you know, my brother would be there. I mean, one brother from that played for Brentford, the other brother that played for Chet. The side of the fields at the local park were filled. And guess who the tea lady was? My mum. So I knew I was going to get a cup of tea at the end of it. And they all used to say, is your mum out? Is your mum out today? I'd say, yeah, she's out. She makes a great cup of tea. That's all they were worried about. <laughs> Half a crown was paid by the manager. Wasn't paid by me. He wanted me to play, so that's my first fee. Half a crown. Can you imagine it? That's brilliant. For the younger listeners, how much is that worth? Half a crown. Uh, now? Yeah. Half a, I will know. Half a crown. Now I would say about twenty-five cents. Right. What's that? Twenty-five that's... cents. It was. It was. The, it was club fees, Maisie. Wasn't it? You had to play club fees when you played there. I, I don't even know what twenty-five cents is in. Well, if you look at a dollar, it's a dollar it's is one thirty-three. Yeah, so about. 30, yeah, 133. About 30p. 30p, wow. I googled it, thinking that this would be helpful, and it says a half crown was valued at two shillings and sixpence, which equated to an eighth of a pound. That makes things more confusing. Correct. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, all you, know. need, all, you know, all, all you knew, all you knew was this, Simon, that a, a new plastic football costs seven and six. 
<laughs> so you knew that if you saved up seven and six or went penny for the guy in, you knew that you got seven and six and went and bought a football. And you went, <laughs> yes, but you wouldn't play anywhere near a fence or a prickle bush because you knew oh, that if you, you, if you it, did yeah. I'll get in the back. Remember, and you pop it and try and put the poker to mend the hole and make oh, a bigger yeah, hole. make it worse. Um, yeah. Make it worse. So that's why you, you, you always invited the kid that was the worst player that had the ball to play with you. <laughs> Stick him in goal. <laughs> so your brothers were obviously good players. Yes. And they played at a decent level. Yes. And you saw yourself at sort of 10, 11, 12, 13, scoring so many goals that people didn't want to play with you. At this point, you knew football was an option because your brothers did it. Did you think, well, this is what I'm going to do as a job. This is my life sorted. I, I think when you're young, obviously everybody wants to be like the Pele's, the, you know, the Beckenbauer's, the, you know, the, the, in them days it, it was the great Puskas, the Stefano, people like that. And you, you'd go out there and say, I want to be the Stefano or, you know, and you just, you do that and then you play. You don't say, well, I'm going to be a professional footballer because that's really everybody's dream to say I'm going to be a professional footballer. I think what you do is you just go out there on the field and want to play. And really want to enjoy yourself, and really, you, you, you couldn't care. You'd go out with, with with your jeans on, you know. If you had your best clothes on, you'd still go still out play. and have a game of football. And your mum, your mum would say, "You've kicked the, the the front of your, sh- your your school shoes out, right? You've got holes in your trousers. What you've been doing at school? <laughs> well, you play, you play in the playground. <laughs> you play in the playground, and all of a sudden your shirt would be out, and you go to the next class." And you're in your school uniform, and 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 you'd be sweating. You'd be sitting there, going, you'd be sitting there like doing a history lesson, and you'd be going, oh, you know, you'd be waiting for it to like, oh, what are we doing at lunchtime? Oh, we've got football against the teachers, and that's I I lived it all the way through like that. And then when I was when I was eleven, I got to West Ham, Tottenham, coming knocking on the door to me dad, and my dad turned around and said to him, uh, said to him. Yeah, Wilf Chitty was the scout at the time. Sent in them days, they sent you a pro, six programs and a letter. Said like, this is this is West Ham. We'd like your son to come training on a school on t- twice a week. So that's me travelling from West London to East London at 11, 12 years of age on my own across London, and then I got to go to school next day. So then Tottenham sent me. Great Bill Nicholson sent me a, a, a letter, and I still got it. And I still look at it. We're very interested. Would your son like to come training with us? We're really. So my dad went. My dad never really watched me play. He watched me once in the cup final, Dave. Yeah. Once in the cup final, we lost that to Southampton. He did not come to the next one. He sat at home. Who did you support growing up? I supported United because I, we got two football kits for Christmas. My brother, there was a red one and a, a, a blue one that Mum got. And as soon as she said to me, she said, I've got, I've got, you, I've got you and Graham football kits. I said, oh, wait, what colours, Mum? Blue and red. I'll have the red. Don't give Graham. Graham's Chelsea. I'll have the red. So Graham had the blue and I had the red. And my brother had a picture of the European Cup team on the wall. Because don't forget, when you're in a three-bedroom council house, you've got about four, four other brothers sleeping in the same room. So on the wall would have been a United poster. So I looked at it and I went, wow. And I kept looking and I, I could name them all after a while. Yeah. And so yeah, I ju- I'd never been up there. I mean, the first time I went, 
up to United was with Millwall. I'd never been further than Watford Gap. So I'm looking and, I'm, and, and all of a sudden, yes, United. And I've always didn't follow them because I was playing all the time. Mm. When you're playing all the time, you say, are you going to the game this afternoon? Nah, what for? Okay. I've got a game this afternoon up the local park or traveling out. And that's what you did as a kid if you was into football that. And it's, it happened so much that, that you said, how did United, oh, they want to, okay, fine, great. But you wouldn't. I went to Chelsea a few times and, and saw the great, you know, Charlie Cook and people like that, that that was lovely to see. But all they did was they made me want to play more. Mm. You know, the drive, the drive and brilliant. Who was your idols growing up? Who would you think, God, I'd love to play like him? I think what you do is you look at, you look at obviously the, the, the great players. Like You wanted to be like, say, for instance, uh, Puskas. You never seen them play, but the names came out because TV weren't so open. Yeah. You just say, I, I want to be Hinto. You know, I want to be the great, great Hungarian, you know. So you do that and say, okay, I'll be Pele. You be Puskas. You be Di Stefano. <laughs> and if you score a goal, you'd shout out the name. And this Stefano scores. I mean, you just picked out what you wanted, who looked the best, and then obviously becoming friends with the, the, with George, you know, yeah. was was you know watching them play, uh, and then even now I get you know really excited when I see George, I see Messi, I see players that have got flair. I, I look at Fernandez now, and I think, wow, this is this is football. Mm. This is what I like to see. This is the time. I, I, I'm not into, yeah, like great, you know, the boring type of stuff. There, you keep knocking it around. If you noticed recently that the square ball has become the king of the game now. In my days, it was never you don't play a square ball, son. You'll get cut out. Don't yeah. play a square ball. Now the square ball. What a good ball that was. So the mm. football's changed. Yeah. You know, you can't, you know, I would for, forever be saying, ref, will you stop him from kicking me, please? And they say, grow up, grow up. And you'd go, ref, how can I get, how can I play when I've got no ankles or machines? Because we didn't wear shin guards. Didn't wear shin guards. You could do, but shin guards were a hindrance to you. So you'd be able to fly around. And then all of a sudden, you'd get, your shins would be marked. And, 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 and the hardest thing for me was, I think, was, when I went from Millwall to Man United, I was playing the second division. United came into the second division where they got relegated and they absolutely mm-hmm. burnt the league. And they come, I tell you what, I went to Old Trafford for the first time when I was about 17, 18. And I looked at this Coliseum because Millwall wasn't that big. And I looked at it, I went, oh, and there's 50, 60,000 people. And I looked around and it was like being in the Coliseum because you couldn't hear yourself talk. And then you got the greats running out, the players that had just come, you know, that, that are wanting to get back. They thrashed us 4-0. But you know what? I felt that stage, I wanted to be there. It's amazing, amazing. And you know that, Maisie. It's yeah. amazing atmosphere. It's amazing feeling to be there and then not on the receiving end, but actually on the supporters. And then I got, I heard at 11 o'clock at night playing in a town in, um, in, in London, getting ready for an FA Cup game against Yeovil, who had a, a field that slanted and muddy. So we played a team 
Dulwich Hamlet, I think, that had a muddy field. Halfway through, the manager, Gordon Jago at the time, called, pulls me off and he says, I want you to come off. He said, come off. So I'm going, why? Because in them days, you only had 11 players. Yeah. You had one sub. So you go, what, what, what's the matter? What have I done wrong? So he says, well, he says, we've sold you. I went, excuse me? He went, we've sold you. I said, and I knew that Tottenham were in. I knew that Arsenal were in. So I said, okay, fine. Terry Neal wanted to speak to me, but I didn't speak to him. So he went, yeah, he said, you're going to Manchester. I went, what? He said, yes, Man United have come in with a bid and we've accepted and it. You'd gone and did, did you not know anything about this? Was it not no. in the papers or? No. no. What, what age was your year? I was, uh, I was 18 at the time. And they said to me, the boys at the club said, it's only a matter of time before a bigger club comes in. And, they, and one of the players, Gordon Bolland, who's a lovely fella, he said, the only way you'll get into a national team or an under-23 team is if you play at the top. They won't look down the divisions. They'll look yeah. at the top. And I, and I remember, and I, I had, it was 75,000, and then it was 25,000 for an under-23, and 25,000 if I made the full England squad, which I did within about nine months. And what happened was, was I get to be met at Houston Station the next morning. I got home. The manager said to me, we've sold you. And I said, why? He said, the bank have told us we need the money. <laughs> so, that's at Millwall. <laughs> so it was like, oh, man. I said, this is crazy. So I went, went home. I said, excuse me, love. I said, uh, got to go to Manchester tomorrow. I said, uh, if I accept the deal, we're moving to Manchester. She said, we've never been no further than Watford Gap. So I went, well, we'll find out what it's like. <laughs> so jumped on the train with my boots underneath my arms, my X-rays, and I got on it and Jago said, let us know when you're signed. That was it. It was no, your agent's here. Now the only agent was an insurance agent. <laughs> so on the train, I get off. Gordon Clayton was there to pick me up, who was the doc's right-hand man. He was his chauffeur and everything else. Picked me up in the Docks Mercedes. And of course, as a, a London boy, I'm looking, I'm going, cool. And I'm looking, I'm going, wow. So then I get to the stadium and I went, holy moly. And the, the big wooden doors, you remember them, Maisie? The big wooden doors before they, and I went, and they opened it up and the marble stairs up and then the manager's office. And I, I'm on my own. I'm on my own. And I sat there and I went, and I walked in, I knocked on a door, and they went, come in, son. Louis Edwards was there. TD was there. Tommy Doherty was there. Jimmy Murphy was there. Frank Blundstone was there. And I went, and I, excuse my language, but I went, holy sh-. I went. <laughs> so I sat down, and they, and they went, we've been watching you for some time, son, and we think you're, you're a fine fit to play at Manchester United. And we'd like to we'd like to sign you as a final. Well, you're not going to turn around and say, "Now nah, speak to my agent." You're not going to say, "Well, how much are you going to give me?" And all this, you know, you, you forget about that. So the co- contract was in it. So the first thing he went, "We'll give you a three-year deal." So I said, "Okay, fine." So I just signed the contract without knowing any money. They said, "You'll stay here. You'll go to the hotel Piccadilly. We'll put you up there. You'll come to the game tonight against Man City." That's when Colin Bell done is uh, finished. And he said, what we'll do, he said, you'll be playing against Aston Villa on Saturday. I said, oh, 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 okay. So I got me suit, you know, 
walking downstairs and I turned around and went, oh, no, I forgot something. So walked back up, knocked on the door, went in. They got a bottle of champagne. Louis Edwards is sitting there with a big cigar. Tommy Doherty's sitting there with a big cigar. And they went, we got him. <laughs> we got him. And I said, excuse me for interrupting. I says, I've signed a contract, haven't I? And I, he went, yeah. Can I ask you something? He said, what's that? I said, how much am I going to get a week? <laughs> I, I didn't even know what I was going to get. Tommy Doherty went, don't worry, son. We'll look after you. <laughs> oh, we'll give you 125 pound a week and I went I'm on 60 at Millwall oh I tell you what that's great <laughs> and I walked out and I went to the Piccadilly and they went just put it on your room service and I just went oh my gosh oh I tell you what so come come Saturday Aston Villa what was it what was it like going, going down to the cliff for the first time did you did train at the cliff and then yes yeah yeah the legendary cliff darling can you remember what day you signed on then so it'd have been a Tuesday, would it? If playing midweek and then yes, yes, they played midweek. Was a Tuesday. It might have been a Wednesday. Yeah. So you trained Thursday. So had, what was it like walking into the cliff? Uh, well, you're walking into somewhere. You no, know, Millwall was like, "There's the shed. Get your gear on. Put it on that coat hanger, and out you go." You know, Millwall was like, "Okay." And then lunch was at the Peak Friends pub across the road. So what you did then? You went in, and I went in, and they said, "Introduce you to a Billy Watts." The old Billy Watts, bless his heart, he was a kit man and looked after everything. And it went in and, and he went, this is, and they said, this is your peg. And I went, oh my gosh. And he said, this is your number. And I, oh, I remember, 39 was my number all the way yeah. through. So I went, okay, fine. And they come around and introduce it. And I've got Pancho, Stuart Pearson, the great Lou Macari, and then Martin Buchan come and introduce it. And they, they said, we knew that he was signing this flash and excuse my language, but they said, we knew that they were signing this flash little London bastard. <laughs> and that's exactly what, that's exactly what they labelled me as. And then Stepo come up, Alex Stepney come up and he said to me, he said, it'll settle down, don't worry, congratulations. And of course, yeah, I'm looking at, a, you know, one of the great goalkeepers of United. So, and I'm just like, holy moly, because he started at Millwall. So I thought we'd have something yeah. in common. Mm -hmm. But I went out and I trained, I was tired. I would think I was overexcited. Mm -hmm. um, the press, the press was, you know, the, uh, um, uh, David Meek was coming in yeah, and yeah. speaking to you at Millwall. You had to run, you had to go to Fleet Street to speak to any reporter. <laughs> so th there's me going in, and I went in, and 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 I spoke, and I, they, they they Gerald Sinstad done a done a you know TV piece, and yeah. you're young and naive, and you're you're you're, you're looking, you're going, and, and you're pinching. I'm pinching myself. So I get to the hotel, I get everything sorted, I go to the cliff, I get down, the United uh, win 4 0, and all of a sudden now, I'm, not, I'm saying, I've not got a white shirt on, I've now got a red shirt on. So I'm training with all the greats, and the reserve team players are there, and I get on well with the reserve team players. I got to know them all, you know, the young kids coming through, Jack yeah. Crompton, all these people. And amazingly, it's like I couldn't buy this with an open checkbook. No. And I don't care what anybody says. It stays with me till the day I die. My memories are priceless. And I look at the club and I go, wow. So I go in, I train, Villa, Saturday. And he said, uh, right, he says, we got you a ticket, first class, back to London, you go and see your wife, and then you'll be able to like bring her up and sort it all that. Yeah, I went, okay, thank you very much, great. So I wore my suit, no suit. Uh, after the game, back to uh, Piccadilly. 
sitting on the first class train. Here we are. I said, and of course, 18 year old, I'm thinking, <laughs> do I dare touch this because it's first class? Do I dare touch? Do I do get up and get out of my seat because it's first class? Because in, in, in a normal class, you get up, you open the window, don't you? And have a look. But <laughs> this is like, you know, you've got an armrest. So you're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, like, you're like a cardboard cutout. You're like this, you know, and you just said, and you've got 50,000 people that just watched you play. And all of a sudden, what comes down the, 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 the walkway, a skip being pulled by somebody I recognized. And the Millwall boys have just played Berry in front oh, of 3,000 people. And I'm sitting there in first class and I've got great <laughs> players like Barry Kitchener, Brian King and all that. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, oh shit, I'm in trouble now. And all of a sudden, some of them see me say, oh, Illy, get out of there. Get up there and get, come with us. So they kicked me out and come out of there. And, they're all, and they went, hey, you got a new suit. God, is that what you got me signing on? And of course, you're trying to answer. And they said, come on, we, we're, we're down here. So they put the skip on, instant the carriage. And there I am going back to London, comfortable <laughs> with my feet on the skip. And they, and they said, what's it like playing in front of that 50? What's it, what was it, what's it like? It's got to be different. So the questions are coming out from some great players at Millwall about what it's like making the jump. When on yeah. Wednesday I was playing, Saturday I was making my debut going back with the Millwall boys and the supporters were allowed to come into the carriage as well because they're all coming back and they're bombarded. So from then on, I just went, wow. And, and it just like, I've got to be back training by a certain day, Tuesday or Wednesday. And they, the boss had given me a day off to do that. And then I just, I just settled down and I played against Wolves and scored the winner. What a week. It, well, it, it, I'll, be very, I'll be honest with you. It, it was is it happening? Yeah, surreal. It's so surreal. Was it happening too soon? Mm. You know, and I, I, I'm sure that every other player, even now, looks at it, uh, you know, does exactly the same. I couldn't explain to people that feeling inside when, when, when I first made my debut and when I first signed. For my, my, my best day was signing for Mill at 16, 17. Uh, and at 18, 19, going to United and then... That the biggest disappointment when I left in, when I was 23, 24, when Dave Sexton sold me and, and I was the leading goal scorer that season. And I'm still to this day, don't know and can't understand why. And I think sometimes in football, you look and say, this game is a funny game. And it's the same story. Everybody says it's a funny old game, but this game has a way of going round in circles and coming back. I know when I went to Derby after that, I got a very bad knee injury. And I realized then coming from the top, going down and hitting rock bottom with not playing, with being there. And in them days, a knee injury was serious enough to maybe take you out of the game. Mm. And cartilages were being, you know, that would finish a player. And of course, the, the surgeon saying, Gordon, I'm not guaranteeing you playing top class football again. I was leading goal scorer on the England tour. I was leading goal scorer at United. I just loved playing. I just loved, I did, I think sometimes, I don't know if you get this, Dave, as well, but you feel that you're invincible sometimes that you could play and you're as fit as a fiddle, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, football has a funny way of coming back and biting you. 
you know, and, and you look at the top players, you're very lucky if you didn't get away with an injury in them days. Particularly you being a winger as well, a flying winger. Yes. Because you'd be, you'd be a yes. target all the time. All the time. It was, it was you know, um, it used to, and that's why I complained earlier, you know, when I said to the referees, hey, refs, are you going to protect us? And there was no law in them days about kicking from behind. The defender, the, the boss would say, take him out or hit him hard in the first minute and he won't play for the next whatever. So they used to come at me and hit me and the referee would turn and say to him, hey, don't do that again. They'd say, sorry, ref. And then they'd put another player and let him hit you. So, and then, and, and, and they say, ref, that's twice. He said, no, but it weren't the same player. I can't. And so the yellow cards, I mean, crumbs nowadays, I mean, I'd just fly past them, wouldn't bother me because they ain't yeah. going to tackle me. Yeah. But then now, if you look at now, they go down for the slightest. I couldn't go down falsely unless I was touched, unless I was really tackled. So the game has changed in that respect. And I'm sure it's changed from your day, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Where you look at it and say, I ought to hit that guy. But now... Macy says it about everyone on every podcast. Well, I, but that's true. Well, yeah, get him a training. Yeah, first day of training. Yeah, I'd have hit him. Young lad. Yeah, I'd have hit him. Older yeah, 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 you'd have hit him. him. Absolutely. That's exactly. Absolutely. That's yeah. abso- absolutely. And if he didn't, the other players would have said, "Why didn't you?" Yeah. Why didn't you have a crack in? You'd, if you'd, I get, you'd, if you'd, I get, you pass it around. Of course you would. I let him first, and you said, yeah. "Maisie's going red." That means he's getting upset. <laughs> Keep it away from him. <laughs> you, you'd re, you, you read players. You know, you see it, the steam's coming out of their ears, <laughs> and you're looking at them, and you're, and you're looking at him saying, "I tell you," what, and then what you say is, "Who don't you like?" And so you'd play in a training session. You'd say, who don't I like? i say, i tell you what, like, Sammy Mack ain't been here. So you play a softball so it didn't yeah, get yeah. there. So it gave Maisie time for him to go over and clobber to him. To rattle him, yeah. <laughs> and Absolutely. So, and, and all of a sudden he'd say, hey, what do you think you're doing? And all of a sudden I'd turn around and say, sorry about that, Sam. And you'd look around at somebody else and wink at them and say, hey, come, come, come fishing, got him. <laughs> Who's your, who's your teammates? Oh, I tell you what, Sammy, Sammy McElroy. Yeah. Dave McCreary, Jimmy Nickel. You had Jerry Daly. I mean, some great Irish players. Great mm-hmm. Irish players. And, and I tell you what, Paul McGrath got get on well with Paul McGrath. Norman Whiteside. I mean, there was, in that team, there was, there was not so many internet or continental players. Yeah. There was English, Irish, Scots, Welsh. And, and, and Southern Ireland players. So you had Paddy Roach and maybe Jerry Daly, Tommy Jackson, uh, Jimmy Nicholl, Sammy McElroy. That's where the talent came from as well. That You've mm-hmm. got great players. And then England, you had myself, Brian Greenoff, Jimmy Greenoff, uh, God rest his soul. And then you had Scotland, you had Lou McCary, Martin Buchan, uh, Bruce Forsyth, we called him Bruce, Alex Forsyth. <laughs> and no, so you've got them all together. <laughs> But then, then you had the you had the grandfather of the team, Alex Stepney. Yeah. So you had that you had that energy, and of course, like the 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 the, the story I did tell was was when, when we were playing at Wembley, and it was the first time they introduced the cards. Remember the substitution cards, yeah. and they first time and at Wembley, and I was substituted. And nowadays it's common, but when I played, you didn't want to be subbed. There was only one sub. And you didn't want to be that person pulled off. Well, I was in a car. I had a, I had a not a good game. So I get, the, I get the, the, the card goes up, number 11, and I'm on the other side of Wembley. And there's 200 million people watching. And I'm going, no, 
no. So I, I go across and then I look at the boss and I look at the card and we were losing to Southampton. I went, what, me? And he went, no, the whole freaking team. So he wanted the whole, 11 of you. He wanted, he wanted all 11 off, you know. And then uh, the year after that, we, we, we turned Liverpool over, which was great because they were, they were phenomenal in them days. They were the best team. United was the best club. Yeah. And there was there was two separations on that one. But having said that, I'll be perfectly honest with you. We, we we wished Liverpool the best when they went to play in Germany. Or yeah, when they beat I think it was Bayern Munich, wasn't it? Much in rubber. We we wished we wished them the very best, Dave. We wished them the very, very best. Because it's the English we're playing against the Germans. Mm. That whole stigma was still there. Yeah, that stigma was still there, and every time you play against it, it was it was you're going to get stuck in. You know, hit him, hit him hard, and uh, they came back with it. But we stopped them from getting the treble. You know, what was it like winning the FA Cup? They make light heart of it now, and I'll be perfectly honest with you. It, it, it's this trophy is one of the most coveted trophies in the in, in the world. I mean, if you look at the story of the FA Cup, where it went. From the rich to the poor, yeah, and now it's gone back to the rich, and the poor clubs try to like see if they can win it. It's got it's changed hands, and then w- when you go out, it's like it, 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 you've got the new kit. The, the, I think the worst thing about it, and you'll know this, Maisie, you get new suits, and they yeah. never freaking fit. They never fit. Uh, no, it's true. They do all the measurements and don't fit. The legs are too long. That, yeah, you get and you and you like tidy your lapel up and you like this, and all of a sudden you pull it and your lapels come off, and it's uh-huh. like well, who's going sti- to who's going to stitch this back on? So all the lads came out and you used to get your suits, but it, the experiences like when we when we were going there was just unbelievable. We lost in one hotel, and then we moved to where the hotel where the winners it was something that the boss wanted. We moved to, to, to I forget where it was, but we, we, we won it. But the, the FA Cup, and, and you was in the final, David, wasn't you? Yeah, yeah, two, yeah. 96, 99, yeah. And, and like, you look at it, and it's a feeling, and I can tell you, he won't tell you how he felt because it's unexplainable. It's just unexplainable. You, it's, it, it, you, you just, you just, going for the most prized trophy it's you know the league yeah. is what we call your bread and butter yeah the cups on the side are the jam on your bread if you're in contention for the league you concentrate because in them days Arsenal were the only team that done the double mm-hmm. they won so the double was it no one looked at what Fergie did with the treble because it wasn't around you know you'd never got close to the teams like your Barcelona's and your Real in them days Real Madrid's and your, and your German teams. So what we did, the FA Cup was like, holy moly, they ju- we'd just come back. I joined United as they came back from um, Division 2 and I joined them in Division 1. And it was just unbelievable because from 68 to 72, 74, they were on a demise. They went down. So they revamped everything. And, you know, Tommy Doherty, bless his heart, had to say goodbye to some brilliant players, legends of the club. He had to say goodbye to make it all come back again. Mm. He had to like revitalize the club. And what he did, he got rid of like people like Morgan. Really Morgan. He got rid of Bobby. 
you got rid of Dennis. You, you, if you live on that, and you, you're not going to survive, because we, we all, look at me, I'm finished. Maisie's finished. We've had our day, but we've got to start to acknowledge it. And that's what he did. And he got young players in, you know, he brought, he brought myself, he brought a fabulous Stevie Koppel and, 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 and Lou Macari was come, got from Celtic. You got Martin Buckham from Aberdeen. So these players were younger players and, and we were playing a hundred mile an hour football, but controlled. We knew what we had to do. And when we went out at Wembley, the first time was absolute nightmare, nightmare. That's, a, that's the one where your dad went to. My dad went to that one, Dave, and, yeah. and he sat there, and, and then uh, my mum was there. And this, this is what's so surprising. I, my mum gets off the, the coach. My, my, all my brothers and sisters, they, they were at the game. And, they, you know, so my ticket allocation went out the window because everybody yeah. wanted one. So, anyway, so I've got, I've, my mum got off the coach, and someone said, that's Gordon's mum, that's Gordon Hill's mum. And they were literally on their knees going like this in front and she was so embarrassed <laughs> they want one of her cup of teas <laughs> <laughs> but it was so it was and she she said what are they doing and, and brother saying no because he's out there your son's out there that's why and it was like when she told me that that brought you know tears to my eyes because I said mum that's United that's the supporters they they want you to win they, they idolise you so then when we done that the next year my dad said, I said, got your tickets, okay. No, I'm not going. I'll watch it on the telly. So he sat there, watched it on the telly in his cardigan. Afterwards, went home, and I said, Dad, uh, he, said, he said, well done. That was it. Not another dicky bird from him. Just won the FA Cup. Yeah. I found out about, uh, must have been a month, two months ago, my brother said to me, do you know what Dad said to me? He said, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of him after, but he never told me. You love, you love Helen crying, eh? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, sir. But that's, but that's how much it meant to, 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 to win the FA Cup. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's something that you can't, you know, we won it so many times after that, that it, it becomes, and then the league. And when the side split, uh, and that's what brought me to Dave Sexton. Dave Sexton, unfortunately, you know, a leading goal scorer for two and a half, three seasons and get, 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 you know, I didn't want to go. I wasn't going anywhere. Because am I right in thinking you'd played, what, 10 or 14 games at the start of the season and then all of a sudden it was got to January, maybe? So middle of the, middle of the season and it was just... Yeah. yes. We've sold you. yeah. That's exactly. It was, Which is weird if you were playing, because you'd think if there was a problem, you wouldn't be playing. Well, I had seventeen goals by then. Bizarre. And I and I just, and it was like I couldn't believe it, you know. But he did it on a Friday afternoon. Why did you think that was, Gordon? Why do you think he got rid of it? Well, do you remember when I was? Do you remember I said to you that that you wanted to be the foreign players and you mm -hmm. wanted to be it as a kid? What happened was that after a training session at the Cliff, he called me in. He, and I sat there, I was muddy, I was sweaty, i just finished the session, and he called me, he says, come and watch this video. And what did he show me? But he showed me a film of Hungary beating England 9-2. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, mud all over me, sweating, and I'm going, oh yeah, he said, you see this player on the left? So I said, yeah, yeah, I forget his name. He said, watch where he tracks back, watch where he gets up, watch where he tracks back and gets up. I said, well, I... 
yeah, I said, he does that well. That's what I want you to do. So I said, well, I said, how many goals did he scored? And he, he said, oh, that doesn't matter. He says, but look at his work rate. Look at him. I said, yes, it does. I said, we've got one in the team. I said, Stevie goes up and down yeah. and we'll score you five, six goals and work like a horse. I'll go from the halfway line to the edge and I'll take on anybody and score you 20, 25 goals a season. And he went, yeah, but we need that. We need that work rate. We need that work rate. And I went, okay, never thought no more about it. Come the weekend, Friday, he says to me, I'm going to send you to the reserves. He said, I'm, you want, I want you to go with Jimmy Curran to um, the reserves at Preston. So I said, okay. So then he calls me up at home, says, uh, you're, no, you're playing tomorrow. I went, okay. Then about another hour, calls me up again. No, no, you go to the reserves. Calls me up oh. about four or five times. I said, be honest with you, boss. I said, I'm not in the right frame of mind. You've just said, I'm, he said, go to, go to reserves. So I went to reserves and Jimmy Curran said to me, what are you doing? I said, to come play with you, Preston. So he, he said, oh, okay. So then half time comes, Jimmy says, got to pull you off. I says, why, Jim? He says, we've sold you. I went, what? He said, he said yeah, the club have sold you. They've, they've accepted a bid from Derby County for 275000 And I, I just looked and I went, you know what? He planned this right from the start. You know, and, it, you got, and you know, as a player, you say to yourself, hold on a second, something doesn't smell right here. Yeah. And I tell you what, I went, I, and I went back and I, and I met Tommy Doherty, who had got. Could you not have said no? Yes. But I knew that he would have made, I knew for a fact straight away that I wouldn't have been playing. I knew yeah. for a fact I wouldn't have been playing because if Dave, if you know a manager doesn't want you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. going to be languishing, languishing in reserves. And then yeah. you might, Wolves came in for me and all that, but I didn't, I wasn't interested. Derby came in, who were the top of the league at the time. With Roy right. McFarlane, Collins, yeah. so a uh, Bruce Riot, Charlie George, great players. So I met the doc, and he said, "Okay, so and it, and I didn't have to move from where I lived in Macclesfield in Bollington. So I commute, I commuted, but I knew straight away. I knew, I, I knew straight away that that you know it it it's not a case of the writing on the wall. It was nothing to do with that. Really, it was nothing to do with that." How did you how did you feel then? Obviously you're training and you're you're scoring goals. Gutted. Yes, gutted. Absolutely, absolutely gutted to pieces. I, I was I was sick. I literally fit physically. What did the what did the rest of the lads say? Didn't see him. Didn't see him because I didn't train with them again. Because they it was done. And you didn't have mobile phones or anything, did you? No, in that yeah, or computers, or you couldn't communicate. Yeah. Met the doc at, at Mottram Hall. Met him at Mottram Hall. They said, I'll give you, and he went, I said, and he's given you permission for you to talk to. He's given you permission to talk to. Never spoke to him. Never spoke to him after that. Never even said, well, I'm doing this because of this. Gone. Wow. And I went, wow. And I just went, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. And I went and then at Derby and then about two, three games into the season. And I, I'm always regretted this to the, Derby County supporters that I couldn't I couldn't play the way I wanted to play because of my knee. Yeah, you know I I had I had I done my knee in which which I could have t- taken the insurance. It's not a lot, but I wanted to play, so it 
took me 11 to 18 months to get my knee sorted out, to get it fit again, and then to go. Uh, and I lost my England place. That was it. That was it. Did you, have, did you ever get to play back at Old Trafford against United? Once. I did, yeah, once. And I scored. <laughs> but it was an own goal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was manager then? I think it was Dave Sexton. Still, it yeah. was Dave Sexton. Uh. Yeah, it was Dave Sexton. And I, it was within the year because I, 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 yeah, it was in. What was the, um, what, what was the United fans with, like with you? Oh, fantastic! Yeah, uh, they were great. They recognised because they wouldn't have had a they wouldn't have had a clue. No, they they they, they there was writings on the wall, Hilly and Sexton out, and I didn't want that. I didn't want that. But mm. then, when I scored against United, I was at the Stratford end, and I was in the wall, and I forget who it was. It hit this one, and I've and it's hit me right on the side of it, and it's flown me into the top of the corner, <laughs> and it's like. And Hiller scored again at Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah, but he's playing for Derby. So I got I got caught. But yeah. Do you have a favorite goal that you scored, Gordon, for United? I think every goal you score at United for United, I scored 51 goals. I was for, you know, I I every one was a beauty. Every one. I think as a player. I don't think about the ones I scored, mm-hmm. even though I've got my favourites. It's the ones you miss and you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I took all the penalties, so I never missed Bush. But then all of a sudden, you know, boom. The volley against Juventus was pretty special. I was, I was happy with that because Dino's they off, were. <laughs> they were the champions. They, 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 were, they, had, uh, they had, in fact, they won the World Cup, but they had 10 international players they had Calcio Tardelli um, uh, uh, the hatchet man in the middle who literally hacked Maradona to pieces Gentili I mean Gentili Gentili uh, I mean it, it's stand on his own grandmother's head but <laughs> he was like and that, they would just literally uh, they would come Trapattoni the manager put two players on me all the time just said to, I can't leave one player he said he'll skin him he'll go past him but when it came over I knew that when it got, when it came over, it was like I, I I knew that if I was to lean back a bit, I if the only chance I've had to, hit, to to score is if I hit it on the volley. Well, I used to train at the cliff every day for about an hour, an hour and a half afterwards on volleying. Boys used to the young apprentices used to just knock the ball across, and I would smash it from anywhere, and I would just hit the target. And Paddy Roach was yeah. was was the keeper, and I used to just smash it, and he said to me. I don't know where it's going. So I think that helps you because your practice makes you feel better and better, you know. And if I miss a volley, I would really, really, I wouldn't let it hit the floor. Now, why am mm. I letting it hit the floor? I'll put it in the back of the net before it's the floor. So I, Wolves was one. I scored on a volley. Peterborough was another. Derby County was another. Birmingham City, where, the, where Arthur played a great ball over my shoulder and I pivoted and hit the ball and it stayed in the stanchion there against Birmingham. I le- Yes, I did. I know you're thinking I did have a header, um, even though I never had any, I never had any shampoo. But I got a header. I got a header at QPR. Right foot, it wasn't just for standing on. I did score a couple of times with that. But I think you're right when you, when you talk about the goals you scored. I think they all stay. And 
believe it or not, because of TV, YouTube, and all this that's come into the game now, you look at I look at I look at games where I've never seen, and uh, I look and I go, did I did I really do that? Or I should have done that. And even sitting down, like I'm sitting there going, should have gone that way. Why didn't I go that way? But it's just like 30, 40 years ago. I should have gone, I should have hit it that way. And so you relive it, you know, and then silent. And my wife's always saying to me, Claire's always saying to me, she says, you're laughing, you're smiling. And and when you're watching games, my leg moves, my left leg moves when a volley comes over. It's strange. Yeah, have you got a twitch? No, no, you know, you're looking at some of them. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at some of it. And I I do that quite a lot. But, yes, the memories are are great. If you could relive one, you've got one game to play again, what would it be for United, obviously? Southampton. Laurie McNemory, Dave, he said, I knew we'd won the cup when they substituted you with 10 minutes to go. He says, because... We knew you was the only one that would do some damage. And I just, well, thanks, Lowell, but that's 30 years later, mate. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I, I, I just, listen, it, it is what it is because the FA Cup is so prestigious to me mm. and to a yeah. lot of players. The league is your bread and butter and only one team's going to pick that up. You can, yeah. and, and as we've seen, the FA Cup is, is what I like most of all is when I started, when I was was 16 at Southall with my brother, and then I went to Millwall and then on, and then you'd sit there on a Monday and you'd wait for the FA Cup draw and you listen to the radio and it's a uh, number and Millwall will be black. Come on, give us a good one. And you say Millwall first. So you knew you was at home and you, was, yeah. you, you, you go Millwall as Yes, you want a first division team. Come on, come on, Tottenham. Oh, yes, yes. You know you weren't going to get by them, but you got Tottenham. Yeah, oh, yeah. you got, and then all of a sudden, like, you say, well, this could be our shock year. Then all of a sudden you get there and you, you, you go out two or three goals and they say, they played well, you know. So the FA Cup was great. I loved it because it's a revenue generator for the teams. And, yeah. and in my pieces I've done recently, fans are special. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I'll always believe in that because with them without them there is not a game. We're looking at it now. We're looking at it now where they've got the imitation crowd noise, you know. Yeah. Where, and 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 you're looking at it saying, okay, because of the environment we're in, we have to face up to it. But if we look at what we've got and say, tell you what, the FA Cup, hey, Maisie, we're at uh, Everton next week. Yeah, the FA Cup. Shit, we better do it there. Mm. You know, we get one chance. What I would have liked to see this year would have been the Liverpool game, Liverpool-Man City, United-Chelsea. I'd have liked them to have put it on a Saturday afternoon, both playing at the same time. Yeah. The olden days where you go mm. after the game, you'd be in the bath afterwards, wouldn't you? Like, uh, who we got? Who won? Yeah. You know, you're at Sheffield. and But now it's like, well, we'll watch. And everybody says, we won ours. Now let's have a look to see what's there. There's no excitement no. for me. You know, the draw no. is, hey, let's get a good club. Come on, we'll get a good club. And the smaller clubs got through. And then they got through. And then it'd always be your Herefords or your somebody that would be a giant killer. It always is. That's what's so nice about the FA Cup and the tradition. And yet they, they demeaned it a bit. You know, it's like, the, forget about the League Cup. 
Mm. The FA Cup, nah, forget about that. Well, I'm going to put a second-rate team out. Hold on a minute. Whoa. I, 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 I can't yeah. buy that. I don't know about no. your views on that, No, no, David. no, I, I agree. It's still the most, it's the most famous cup competition in the world. Well, it, if you look at the actual film... It's brilliant. The history is incredible. I, I, I watched it and I just went, oh my gosh, I, can't, I can't, couldn't believe that, that, that what they did and how they did it. You know, and the working class then took yeah. over and then all of a sudden it became their game and now it's back where you've got your mega stars that, are, you know, do I begrudge that? No, because we pioneered for it. I pioneered for it. You pioneered for it. Mm. You know, players before me pioneered for the wages. Where's your, where's your medal? Uh, I tell you, what's a sad story because I've never seen it because I got I was divorced three years after. Uh, yeah, three years after I got my medal. I've never seen my cup winning medal since the day I picked it up from the Queen. Wow! Never. Where is it? Not even my losers' medal. Possessions that don't come back. It's it, it happens in it happens that you know it's a a, a marital thing where you, where you ask for it, but nine tenths of the law is if you haven't got it, it's very hard to get it back. I've asked for it, I've asked for it, but I got them home, and then when we split, they went walk about. They went walk about, and I've not seen them through. I look at every time the game is played on the TV, the cup final. I look at mm. the medal. And that, I wonder where it is. Oh. I don't know. I think I know. I know where. It, uh, let me say, guys, I know where it is, but I can't get my hands on it. So I, I, I you know, um, my daughter. Wow, that um, is. She, that no, is I'm such telling a, you, I, I, that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because I got winners and losers, and I can't even give one to my son, mm. and he's not seen it. He was born after the. I mean, I got. Divorced when I was 23. I never never remarried till I was 28. It was just heartbreaking. Yeah, and I've not seen it. I've not seen I've not seen half of the stuff either. You know. So it's not a case of you sell your memorabilia. No. No. You didn't have any. Jesus. I've got some of my stuff. In them days, it was nine-tenths of the law is possession. Mm. You know? And I and I, I I I've been I was on for it I was on for it I was on I was asking for it back again so yeah it's great all the all the niceties of the game Dave but mm. you take the downs as well and like Simon said you 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 don't if you say well okay let's talk about all the niceties yeah you could do it all day long but then if you talk about the downs. You could talk about that all day long. Yeah. So what I try, I, what I try to do is say, hey, one day, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to get my hands on it and, and, and give one of them to my son and one of them to my daughter. To me, yeah. it doesn't matter either way. No. You know, I, I've got a couple of my, I got a couple of uh, cup, my cup winning shirt that my son's got. Yeah. So, you know, you, you it, you've got. You, do you know what, Gordon? You've got the memories, Gordon. Yeah. They can't buy that from me. That to me, it's more than anything. The memories. So much as I've got the medals, and I absolutely adore my medals. Yes. But it's the memories. Yeah. The memories that are in there, you'll never ever replace. I, I've got memories. You can you can you can buy a player, but you can't buy my memories. No. You know exactly. Absolutely. And, and, people, and people would say to me time and time again, and I say, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. You know, mm. because what happens is. It is your life. People say, yeah. would you like to play now? Would you like to play now? 
Or would you have liked, or would you like to stay where he was? And I'm going to say, okay, fine. I've got to give up everything if I play now. They say, yes. Well, I'll put the shoe on the other foot. Does that mean to say I've got, I get rid of my daughter and my son mm. because I'd have to give everything up so they wouldn't have been born? Mm. That it, 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 so it's, yeah. it's a question and an answer that is double, double-edged. I yeah. wouldn't give them up. I wouldn't, I, my family had worth all the medals in the world. They're Absolutely. worth, they're waiting. I mean, they're priceless. So people say to me, yeah, I say, you might have the medal, but I have the memory. Yeah. And the United fans have the memories of you, Gordon, because you were an absolute fan favourite. Such a short time in the grand scheme of things of what you could have been at United, but an absolute fan favourite, that's for sure. I was very, I, I was, I didn't want to go there and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. I just wanted to play. People said I was cocky and confident. I was, it, the word cocky to me was, I, I was, I had to be confident of what I was doing and where I was playing. And the only way I could do that was being outward mm. and, and being funny at times. People say, oh yeah, he's full of confidence. Do you know I wasn't full of confidence? Do you know I used to sit there in, in, in the, the old changing rooms, Maisie, I used to sit there in the changing rooms and I used to sit there and go into the, where the bath was, where the old bath yeah. was, and, I'd, and I'd, I'd sit there and I'd go, I can't believe I'm here. I said, yeah. I can't believe. And you'd hear the crowd outside walking past and you're going, I can't, are they coming to watch me? Are they really coming to watch me? And I'm, I was saying, and you're going, what happens if I have a bad game? You know, what, you know, and then all of a sudden, you go out and you go down the tunnel, which you, you had to run down to get yeah. out of the field. And I'd run down that and, I'd be, and all of a sudden, it was like the roar that I've never, ever heard before. And it was great. And I used to have a special little thing I used to do. The Stratford end on the left and on the far right-hand side was where the Swedish, Norwegian, Scandinavian section was. And I used to run out. And they used to sing, you know, like uh, your favourite song, like Golden Neil, King of All Cockneys. Yeah, and yeah. I just, you know, and I would always not turn round, Evans. I would <laughs> not turn round. I would, and then all of a sudden they go, go, and all of a sudden about three or four times, and all of a sudden, I, and I would then just slowly turn around and put my <laughs> hand up, like, and they went, they go, they go absolutely potty. You know, they did the roar and everything else. And then they go on, Louie, Lou Macari. And it was, it was like that. And uh, we, we, we've had some absolutely, you know, it's, it is named Theatre of Dreams for reasons. It is, it, is, it is a theatre of dreams for every single player, whether it was my era, Bobby's era, way before that 48 team era. Do you know what I did? I used to enjoy most of all, going to Old Trafford when we had the former players' dinners, mm -hmm. and I would I would sit purposely on the forty-eight team that won the cup. I'd sit there, and I'd be like this, listening to all their stories. And you all of a sudden see you get someone like you know Stan would turn around and say, "Hey, up," he said, "You remember when uh, that guy stole my bike?" And you go, "What do you mean?" He said, "Aye," he said, "I rolled to the ground." just before the game. <laughs> and, I went, and I'm like this, mate. And he says, ah, he said, he, he brought it back, but he broke the chain. <laughs> I'm listening to these stories. stories. They're playing the game. The stories, the 48, then it goes further, then it comes up to, then all of a sudden that you're, you're with, with uh, you know, the, the former association, 
which do a fantastic job of raising yeah. money. You know, Dave Sadler. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, Sadler. people. They they all have got their stories about who's tight in the team, <laughs> who doesn't like training, who and it, you you're getting it from 10, 15 years in increments. This team had these players that did this. This oh, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Little cookie didn't want to do this, or you you get these stories, and all of a sudden, like you get it now, and then you say, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't like training on a Saturday, or he doesn't like and and. These stories are something that they're priceless. Of course, yeah. They're priceless about a club that has, that has, that has come through and, and, you know, to play for them. I mean, crumbs, I'm 66. And I tell you what, I've got a field looking out. I'm looking out from here. I'm looking out at my field that I've just done. And in front of me, I've got a bird stand with two hummingbirds that come down and I've made friends with. <laughs> and do you know what? Looking at this grass field, brings every single memory back from playing football. Every memory. I sit there, and, and I don't know if you do that, Dave. I don't know if you sometimes sit there. I sit, when I go back to Old Trafford every year and do the tour, I, I let them go on the tour, and I sit in the stands on my own, maybe either in the north stand or the south. I sit there on my own, and I look around the grass, just the grass, just the field. And I and I look, and I and I and I can see players, and I can see what happens, and and if you could bring it to life, you'd bring every game that was played at Old Trafford back. Mm-hmm. Magical. It has been uh, an unbelievable pleasure to listen to your stories. Oh, so much so, so passionate. I, I think. I mean, we've done nothing. This is the least any of us have ever spoken on a podcast by a huge amount because you're just a, such a natural storyteller that I'm sure we'll have to have you on again. Um, but because of timing right now, uh, we've got to yes. say goodbye. But thank you so much no, um, for, for joining us and sharing your stories. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Brilliant. It's been a, it's been a dream. I've just, I've just sat here remembering I'm supposed to be, we're supposed to be making this podcast. I've just been sat listening like I'm, I hope everybody else listening has been. <laughs> just sitting there going, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. It's it's the same from different eras, Simon. It's the same. It's just they got the stories and the stories. It's just Garden. It's, it's just actually called the ones I Garden is is called Sam. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sam. That's good. <laughs> you know, I, I Sam Sam Sam. I do I do apologise, but my son is called Sam as well. So I do apologise. Evans, Don't I do apologise. It's a close name. Sam is the only. See, players <laughs> have this tendency to forget people. <laughs> Hey Jimmy, it's been absolutely Jimmy, it's been brilliant having you on, Paul. <laughs> Gordon, just before Listen, you go, would you yes, have Sally. one of your former former teammates <laughs> that you could recommend for us to have on the podcast? Who would be a good storyteller like yourself? You know what? I would say Gary Bailey. Yeah. Gary Bailey moved from South Africa to Miami and done the, the TV, but. The quick story was when Gary Bailey came to Old Trafford as a trialist, he came into our training room at the, at the cliff and he changed in my position with a pair of socks that had holes in it. It looked as though he'd walked from South Africa. <laughs> and the rest, and uh, I threw him out and told Billy Watts, get him out of my, posi- out of my place. <laughs> and from then on, it goes without saying what he's done. But Gary, there's Gary Bailey. John Curtis, you know Johnny. Yeah. Wilson. Yes. There are a couple of players. They're they're all over the place in the United States that might be nice because they can give you a, 
a different view of what's happening over here. Yeah. But yeah, those are the type of people, Evans, really, yeah, you know, if you want to Gary Bailey, I'll give him a call and just say to him, hey, listen, Maisie's going to get in touch with you. Do you want to do a podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Simple. Perfect. You know, if there are any other players, I mean, that, you know, that's not a problem. You know, not yeah. a problem at all. I can do that. I'd like to say to all of you guys, please stay safe, be good, but be very careful because I tell you what, we're all priceless. Lovely. Gordon, you're priceless, mate. Thank you so much, pal. That's a pleasure. You take care. I'm going back to my hummingbirds. Don't Good blame you. Go for it. <laughs> Cheers, Gordon. Take care, pal. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Bye. Bye. Simon, Dave, did you enjoy that one? Simon, Evans, did you enjoy that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Evans was a bit... For those wondering why he, I suppose he just called you Evans, is because that's the name you've got for your Zoom, I guess, because does Johnny use yeah. it as well, I suppose? So you've just, it just is Evans. I think it's just set as that, yeah. Yeah. But he, I think he actually did think my name was Evans, which is probably producer um, Matthew's fault because he yes. obviously did not tell him beforehand, you'll be joined by Helen Evans, David May and yeah. Simon. <laughs> Simon Homewood. <laughs> Can I just say at this point, I'd like to say I'm delighted that he's got your names wrong because you have been winding me up and calling me Matthew for the past two or three episodes. No, no, no. We've not been winding you up. Basically, I just asked one day if anybody calls you Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. And I said no. <laughs> so what did you do? We all called you Matthew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just like to give people their full title. Yeah. That is your name, though. From birth, you're Matthew. So, Simon, Dave and Evans, I am <laughs> delighted that we now have nicknames for you as well. <laughs> yours isn't a nickname, yours is your name. Yeah, it's actually your name. All right, Dave and Evans is sort of your names. <laughs> you just don't go by them. Dave. But Simon is not. Yeah. Simon is not my name, but I'll take it. I think you do look a bit like a Simon, actually. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. I just think that you could pass for a Simon. Okay. Thank, thank you. Okay. Simple Simon. What a character Gordon was. Brilliant. I actually don't think that I spoke for about 40 minutes because... No, you didn't. People will be shocked to hear us now. He just was such a good storyteller and he almost yeah. just followed his own life story and path. We he didn't did. even have yeah, just didn't no. to do anything. say anything. So good. The laziest podcast so we've ever done. He was such a good guest. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Also, he had some, he had some genuinely brilliant stories, didn't he? He did. Yeah, imagine that. You 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 have your losing a medal, you have your winning FA Cup medal. Yeah. And his ex wife's gone. That's that's hard to take. Also, Maisie, as a as a footballer and I mean Helen as a parent, who also and, and obviously it very much in the world of football, what did the two of you think about like his dad not going to the FA Cup final? Do you know what? It could be an old school thing, couldn't it? I d I don't really know. Or it could just be a nerves thing. Maybe his dad just got so nervous going after the first time. I'm not really sure. But it is it's quite emotional, isn't it? Especially to think about when think about that when you're older. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's the biggest day of your football in life, isn't it? And for your dad not to turn up for, for any reason, it's it's strange. Did your family always come to your big games, Macy? Uh, my dad I don't think my dad ever I think my dad never missed a game. I bet, I bet in his, mm. in my whole career, I bet he missed two. That was it. Home and away, everywhere. No way. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. But then when we asked Paul Scholes the same question, he said his mum and dad never really went to watch him. They were always no. in the pub. I'm sure he said that. He probably yeah. didn't tell him the games were on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He probably didn't even know. <laughs> they were like, Paul, have you got a game this week? We don't want to miss it. And he'd be like, yeah, at some point, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it wasn't Probably asked. three o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
great, great character. And one thing about Gordon was that he was so passionate about football, even still, you know, building that academy in America, something yeah. he's so passionate about creating players for an English mentality. That's kind of what he was wanting to do, isn't it now? I think it's very difficult for Americans to get into the English mentality mm-hmm. if you're taught by Americans who haven't really played the game. I know that yeah. sounds a bit a bit strange to say, but, you know, Gordon, Gordon was in the era of... You know, you get on with it, you do what you have to do and you've got to work ever so hard. Nowadays, I suppose in America, there's so much money over there that the kids, even the kids and the parents have to pay so much money just for the kids to play. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, ourselves over over this end, we're all right. You know, we can go to Sunday League school or Sunday League football, school football, but over there it's totally different. That's mad, that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Great podcast. Really enjoyed that one. It was great. Yeah. It was really good. You can see why he's a fan favourite. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Lovely fella. Shall we do some emails? John Brogan says, Hi guys, I'm a Belfast lad who moved over to Sydney in 2011 and having been used to the media back home covering the old school stories, the lack of coverage here has been tough for me. This podcast is great for being able to connect again and it's nice to hear Helen's familiar accent. Thank you, John. Loved the Norman Whiteside and Ben Thornley episodes and would love to hear ones with Paul Ince, Ruud Van Nisselrooy and Teddy Sheringham. In your last podcast, you mentioned you wanted to hear the weird places people listen to podcasts. Yes, we do. Each week I go to a recovery centre for wellness and there is an infrared sauna in there, which you can set Bluetooth in. So basically I play the podcasts, go into the sauna and I can listen to the full podcast whilst getting my weekly sauna. A lot of saunas in there. Just a random one, really. And I'm sure the other people in the centre can hear and wonder what the hell I'm listening to. That is amazing. Anyway, I love the questions you all ask and the guests and hope to be back for a trip to Old Trafford next time I'm home. Thank you very much, John. John, have a lovely sauna. Yep. Infrared. What's it? What's an infrared sauna? To all those people who are having saunas right now, I hope you're having a lovely, relaxing hour and a half listening to us three. Just talking rubbish. Yes. Uh, I've got one here from Alex Huff. He says, Dear HMS United podcast, my name is Alex Huff and I'm a lifelong Man United fan. The first time I went to Old Trafford as a kid, I saw the one and only David May score the goal in a 1-0 win against Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, what a yes, finish. Amazing. What a finish. Go on, talk us through it. Uh, it was 95-96 uh, and... Um, Scalzi Scalzi cut one back at the near post and uh, managed to get it past uh, a couple of lads who were on the line and the goalkeeper yeah won the game 1-0 love that yeah uh, he says like many people I've discovered the United podcast during lockdown and I've enjoyed it immensely I've listened to every episode and they have all been brilliant it's really hard to pick a favourite episode but as I work as a music technician at Staffordshire University and coupled with the fact that I've been converting my garage into a recording studio during lockdown see pictures attached he has attached some amazing pictures of his his uh, garage I think it might have to punt for the Schmeichel episode which I wasn't in he is welcome to come round to mine to jam that's anytime. why it was so good <laughs> hear that a lot uh, that <laughs> being said the Lou Macari one had me in pieces what a remarkable man I found it heartbreaking to hear the story about his son but inspiring to hear about the amazing work that he's doing just down the road from where I work in Stoke-on-Trent keep it up guys and well done for making me excited about Mondays whoever thought that would be a thing all the best thank you thank you very much Alex and the studio looks amazing it does it is amazing wow that is that's a proper studio it's not like yeah. studios we're in but we're in our homes I know that's what I mean in my living room imagine being in that one how much yeah. better it could be with surround sounds 
Nice hot sauna. <laughs> okay, that is it for your emails. Do keep telling us where you are listening from. If you would like to get in touch with us, email unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk. That is it for another episode. We will be back with another fascinating United guest next week. In the meantime, a reminder, you can watch the box set of the United podcast in full on MUTV with brand new episodes airing every Friday. And as always, we'd love it if you could read us and leave a little review. See you next week. Bye. Bye.